Hello, welcome to Kaiba Health and Life. I'm your host, Kristen Wolisinovich, here for the first time in the Kaiba Health and Life Detroit studios, my partner in crime, Lisa Metropolis. It's great to be here. I'm really excited. Very excited. Today. Aren't these great? Yes. So our inaugural Kaiba Health and Life Detroit studio, we are so excited to have two amazing guests. Yes. I'll start with my left, the beautiful Susan Douglas. Hello. Hey, Kristen. How are you? Thank you so much for, Thank being, you for here. being here. Thank you. And your miracle man, right, that you brought on, and a big thank you to you. Dr. Concrete Shyasset, you are a plastic reconstructive specialist out of Royal Oak Beaumont, correct? Right. But it's not just plastic surgery, correct? Doctor, what are some other specialties that, you, that you're familiar with that you correct? So I, <clears throat> I am specialized in the microvascular surgery uh, in which we transplant tissue from one location to another. Okay. Uh, and also specialize in pediatric plastic surgery from cleft lip, cleft palate to scalp surgery to a pediatric soft tissue reconstruction. So pediatrics is also one of your specialties. Have you always wanted to go into this when you were going through med school and you were defining your specialty? Was it always in plastics? No, not exactly. I was interested in... Um, transplant surgery really or hepatobilis surgery and uh, my mentor Dr. Ian Jackson really um, uh, motivated me and inspired mm -hmm. me to become a plastic surgeon uh, just like all of you when you think about plastic surgery you would think about breast augmentation that's what all augmentation yes and and believe it or not that's how I, I was felt at one point then there's other side of plastic surgery that you can do a lot of good thing and, and change people's life and restore and make them feel whole again. What is your native country? From Thailand. From Thailand. How long have you been here in the States? Uh, I came 2001. 2001, so roughly 18 years. Did you come to med school here in the no. United States? No, I finished medical school in Thailand. Okay. So I, uh, during residency training program, it's a system called matching system. Mm -hmm. So I happen to match here in, in Michigan by chance. And so that's why I'm here. So you've been in Michigan for 18 years. It's your home now. Yes. Well, Susan, we are very lucky to have the good doctor, aren't we? I am so thrilled that he ended up matching in the state of Michigan and that <laughs> our paths crossed yes. for sure. That's exactly right. So Susan, real quickly, tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure, I'd be happy to. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2013. Um, at the time, I was told I was going to need a mastectomy, and the breast surgeon that I was seeing that was going to do that surgery, she sent me to a plastic surgeon, but not someone who specializes in all the different types of reconstruction. Mm. So at the time, I was pretty much given the option of having breast implants put in to make myself whole again. But what I didn't know at the time was that implants come with their own risk and, and even though you know mainstream news and what the manufacturers are telling you is that these implants are safe they are not safe mm -hmm. and for women whose bodies totally reject those implants it can lead to serious serious health issues everything from cardiovascular issues to digestive issues to um, autoimmune disorders mm -hmm. 
um, body inflammation throughout your body waking up. For me, it was I, I was constantly exhausted. I was in pain every morning. I looked like a 90-year-old woman getting out of bed. I had three cardiac surgeries in 2016 because of heart issues that nobody could explain and nobody could correct. Wow. So in that journey, I started to research what could possibly be right. causing the problems, right? A, a woman in my late 40s, I had multiple doctors tell me it was perimenopause and that this is how women are supposed to feel, and I refused to believe that. I refused to believe that that's how I was going to feel the rest of my life. Right. So by God's divine grace, I happened to be scrolling on the Internet one day and found this page that was talking about breast implant illness. And I started to understand that there could be significant problems and significant right. issues and that hundreds of thousands of women have had these issues. And the only cure for it was to get the implants removed. That was how the journey then led me to find Dr. C. I contacted my surgeon back to find out if, if there was anybody that, in the area that specialized in doing a deep flap procedure which would use my own tissue to recreate my missing breast. Is that a high-risk procedure that only a few can do? Uh, it's not necessarily high-risk. <clears throat> I think it's time-consuming. Mm. Okay. It's okay. very meticulous, and you need to have a stamina and special train. Mm -hmm. So, again, we transplant tissue from the, the stomach and then reconnect the blood supply in the chest. And uh, so many things could go wrong. So you need an experienced surgeon and special yeah. train to, to perform such procedure. How long have you been doing the surgery? Since 2011. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's quite that's some a, time. a long time. Yeah. And is inflammation one of the first signs that there is something wrong? Is there something for women who believe, such as Susan? Susan's an outlier. She's, she's an advocate for her own health. She is, she's intelligent. She knows when something's wrong in her body, but as women, we don't often take care of ourselves. What are some signs to look for? <clears throat> so it's the breast implant illness is relatively new. And I think that WHO and even FDA itself still mm -hmm. hesitate to accept the mm -hmm. diagnosis, even though the last panel, I think in March, they came out with a very, very comprehensive list. So the most common symptom is fatigue. Fatigue. And then okay. uh, a brain fog, by definition. Flu-like symptoms right. would and be. Yeah. Right. Some uh, joint pain, sleeplessness, and those are systemic symptoms that, that that I could see that some doctor thinks of perimenopause. Perimenopause, right, <laughs> yes. Yeah. They match up. Right. And initially, to be honest, when before I met Susan, we heard about that. We're like, oh, yeah. no, not really. Because it doesn't show in our textbooks. Right. And then even on the the implant company, they didn't mention that. So yeah. so as a young doctor came out from the training, if the implant's safe, it's probably safe because mm -hmm. FDA says so. Right. So <clears throat> and then uh, as we see a lot of more patients, I learned from Susan and myself the the way she respond after surgery, the 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 clinical manifestation immediately after implant removal you can see a, a drastic change in, in yeah. many things almost immediately it was almost immediately i within 48 to 72 hours after surgery i physically started to look different my, my yeah. husband looked at me and said I, I forgot that your eyes looked like that the, the the whites of my eyes had turned yellow my eyes were so dry all the time i couldn't wear my contacts anymore it was manifesting itself throughout my body where you know you, you if it's just one symptom or two symptoms you maybe don't notice it but at the height of all of this i was on nine different medications at one time. I was constantly taking pills. 
I now take absolutely nothing, nothing Amazing. for my heart. That's incredible. No, like it's it's incredible. I don't. I was yeah. taking digestive medications because I was having horrific acid reflux. I can eat anything I want now, and I I don't have to take anything. It was life changing. It's completely. I feel like it was like the fountain of youth. It's like he turned back the hands of time, and I got back right. that five years of my life. I feel fantastic. Susan, I saw uh, pictures uh, before yeah. and after pictures uh, two weeks prior yeah. and two weeks after, and I honestly was absolutely amazed. You you did not look like the same person. No, there It was, changed your face. It, it did, because yeah. there was so much inflammation that yeah. was throughout my body. My nose was larger. My eyes were puffier. I, within two weeks of surgery, I lost 15 pounds. Yeah. I didn't do anything to lose 15 pounds yeah. other than the implants, and we know they weren't 15 pounds. But it was I, I could fit in my clothes again. I could wear the rings on my fingers again. Yeah. The, the joint pain is completely gone. Wow. I've gone back to dancing. And that speaks volumes to the ability for our bodies to heal itself. It's incredible at the cellular level for the body's ability to heal because going through and, and experiencing those symptoms for so long, did you ever think you would get well? Did you yeah. think this was going to be the end-all cure yeah. to you, you being you back to that? normal? You know, I, you hope, right? I mean, it, nothing's an assurance, right? But but from what I, I have read and what I understand, I, I belong to a lot of different uh, groups on social media, on various right. social media, right. where women have have registered with these groups because they're having similar issues with right. implants. And I would say that if you if you follow those groups and you read what people are posting, the vast majority of women who have their implants removed, they feel an almost immediate. And if not, you know, you got to remember, for some women, they had the implants in for ten or fifteen right. years. They they didn't become terribly unwell overnight. Right. So it, it takes some time. But if you if you track women, and I wish there was a, a global study a good doing tracker. this system. that was tracking women, idea. you know, six months out, 12 months out, two years out, I think that what you would see is the majority of them are, are just drastically better than they were prior. And it, when people post questions and say, does anybody regret having them removed? You never see anybody not say that. They're, no, there's not a regret. regret it. No. Well, let's talk about this incredible man because you speak from the mountaintops about Dr. Shyasset, and you walked in today, and I said to you, "Wow, you look." She physically, aesthetically looks incredible, yeah. and she said, "Yeah, it's from my stomach." When did they know to pull from the stomach for the breast reconstruction? Um, it's been around for I think. Using stomach tissue for breast reconstruction has been around for 30, 40 years. Yeah. But the old school flap we call a tram, in which you sacrifice uh, three packs of your six pack for one breast. Because she is thin too. So right. like I had two C-sections, I could probably right. take care of it. But um, she's thin. Right, but now that happened in the 1980s and in the 1990s, the, the surgeon understand more that you don't need a muscle. Okay. okay. You need the skin and dissect through the muscle. You can get the skin and fat and the artery in the vein and leave the muscle intact. Oh, wow. So that led to the concept of peripheral flap, which uh, happened in 1990s. And then um, a lot more doctors get into it. But again, because you need a lot of stamina and a lot of um, uh, hardworking and meticulous, and you have to pretty much dedicate your, your practice to do to just, these specific to surgeries, surgery, right? that's because absolutely it's right. It requires a lot of skill. The suture that we put is probably smaller than your hair. And we, we use operative microscope wow. to magnify the blood vessels. So, so those, um, and right now we've been doing the peripheral flap for more than 15, 20 years. Oh, wow. yeah. So have you seen the technology 
just from when you started practicing medicine to where we are now, like you said, the laparoscopic, just the the intricacy of how you can just detail everything. Have you seen the technology just skyrocket? Yes, uh, I think more so for craniofacial surgery. When mm-hmm. you need a CAT cam, the 3D reconstruction, right. and use that 3D uh, model helping the surgeon to re- rebuild the face in babies. Mm-hmm. For the breast, not so much, I think because to, more, to make a good-looking breast is nothing can replace the surgeon's artistic eye because mm. you still need to mold and shape the breast. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, you're not going to see much progress in terms of the using CAT cam or, or computer-assisted uh, surgery for the breast. So my understanding, Lisa and Susan, is mm-hmm. when you have these outlier cases, Dr. C's your man, you yeah. see people from all over the globe. Can you give us a couple examples? I know there was one baby who was attacked um, by a raccoon. Is that correct? Where you've had some incidences correct. that yes. you've had some you rebuild situations. Yeah, yes. some rebuilding. Yeah. So right, uh, that's that's what I love. I love so much about my job is yeah. to. Uh, rebuilt something not possible possible mm. like so that young lady that you mentioned she came she was attacked by a raccoon when she was five months old wow mm-hmm. and then she came to see me at age of 10 she was uh, uh, turned out by many plastic surgeon that's it's not the right time yet mm. but again when you see the kids who really depressed and look down and and you have decision to make whether mm-hmm. should we take on a difficult case that may not work, or should you just let her go and then just you know just not let her grow? Yes. Yeah. So so what happened is I think her uh, sort of depression really uh, got me into that we're gonna do something. So right away, <laughs> right mm-hmm. away. So after I rebuild the nose and the ear, you can see she's a totally different person. Yeah. You know, we we talk about these kids. They a child who is born with everything, right, or has a normal yeah. physique, they go through so much stress every single day, whether it's hormones or social media or schools or grades or whatever. So can you imagine these children who aesthetically are not developed or have a raccoon attack? Correct, yeah. You couple that on top of what they're going through. It's got to be devastating. And then you come in and you act immediately and you change their lives. You change the trajectory of their life. You truly do. That's got to be so important to you. And like you said, you could wait because they think more of the growth platelet or, you know, allow the, tra- the body to, to continue to grow. It's much bigger than that. Yes. It really becomes sometimes a life or death situation. Right, correct. correct. It's incredible, Doctor. When you work on, uh, I have a couple of questions. One of them is uh, regarding when you work on children and babies with cleft palate. Is there a is there a time frame? Uh, if 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 someone's listening right now and they have this situation, is there a time frame uh, for a, a best practice time frame for them to do the surgery? To do the surgery, usually the first year of life. The first year of yeah, life before the speech developed. Okay. So it's very important to restore the palate because the palate is a fundamental structure for the speech. If they if they doesn't hear, if they don't hear, yeah. they can't talk. Right. So most of cleft kids will have fluid build up in the ear, they will need ear tube placement and okay. cleft palate repair within first year of life. So they can learn how to talk. Okay. 
And you receive children from all over the globe for the cloth palette? Correct. Okay. We, we bring the kit from Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And you can uh, look, in the, I think, in Channel 4 recently. And we uh, help the, the young man from Nigeria wow. who write a Facebook to me asking for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, wow. he went, I think he, write email, he wrote email to Israel, Germany, many countries in Europe and for some reason there's no interest to, to help him so he sent me an email we we got him in wow and not knowing he actually be, became a medical student oh. <laughs> not knowing at all so we yeah. get him in we use our fund I partner with my ENT a neurosurgeon basically we took half of his skull and performed a major reconstruction to remove the tumor he went back and he sent me an email that he accepted to medical school in Nigeria. Oh, my goodness. So that, I think his article in Detroit News as well. You can That's read, amazing. Yeah. That is incredible. And, I, you know, I think I think part of it all comes back to, you know, we so many times we settle, right? Or yes. to, this is as good as it's going to get. You have to settle for that. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're changing the status quo, and there's that paradigm shift that you don't have to just stay with. That's so true. With what your situation is that you face, and Correct. I think what you know, whether it's a, a patient for themselves or if it's a parent for their child, to always advocate for right. what's the best possible outcome, and that's what's so fantastic about the work that you're doing. You're giving people a chance. Well, thank you. And then Susan's special though, she she really we agree. Um, Absolutely, we agree. Because sometimes the, the doctor needs, you know, we learn from the patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we know, I don't know everything, but I, the, the, one, the important thing to be a successful physician is to listen to your patient. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to the patient and you know and you do your best in your ability to help her, or he and she or them, yeah. so, so that's how I run my practice. Uh, sometimes... Uh, uh, People think that I'm too nice, too kind, or uh, my job is just keep doing it until the patient happy. But that's that's where the game changer is, right? Absolutely. And I see all these women that they post things that they've gone to see a doctor. They're all they're all searching for help. Many of them have been going to doctors for five or ten years. They've had hundreds of thousands of dollars in testing done. Yeah. Everything's inconclusive. And then they go to see a surgeon, and the surgeon will circle back around and say, it's in your head, you can't do it. They don't want to listen, right? right? Because there's that level of ego that comes with position. Right. And that's the beautiful thing is you're you're one of the most brilliant physicians in the world, but you're willing to listen. Listen, so I see and hear what you have been telling us for some time. They come in like a commodity, and they get them in the door and out the door, and you're right. fine. Right. Where Doctor C is the the difference maker is he, he actually cares. Yeah. He cares. Not about that the they don't care. We don't want to put it out there. Sure. But he's not afraid of something being challenging care. for him, though. He's not afraid of it being too difficult, and he's willing. That's that's, that's where the, the difference thing. is, right? I think too, like you said, the from the micro, you're a micro neuron surgeon. It is so tedious and it's so time consuming. Where, you know, we can watch these shows, you watch Botched or you watch these reconstructive um, documentaries, they get in, they're out within an hour to two hours. Your surgeries on average are... All day. All day. day. Mine was six and a half hours. (laughs) Right. All day. So So they're in lines... Every difference. The detail, the, the, yes. The craftsmanship, all of that. And, And the heart. Absolutely. You, uh, That's a huge difference. You, what a big, what a big 
This is oh, it's, this guy, it's, this it's is your huge. guy. And I and you know, and here's the thing is again, you know, people people settle because they don't necessarily know, right? So yeah. in a lot of cases for women who have had reconstruction, there's a difference, I think, when it's cosmetic versus reconstruction. Sure. When it's reconstruction, sure. you're working after a mastectomy. Yeah. And it it there's many times it doesn't look like a natural breast when you have the implant in, right? And one of the biggest things for me was I, because the mastectomy cuts the nerves, yeah. you lose all feeling. I had no feeling around the entire left side of my body, under my arm, and around my back. If somebody touched me, I felt pins and needles. Wow. Mm. Wow. Dr. Jaya said, went and reconnected the nerves. When he moved that tissue, I got the feeling back. So you incredible. Feel again. So it's right, and it's you know, it's I've said this a million times over since being diagnosed with cancer. Right? It's it, breasts are cosmetic, and, and breasts they have a different level of importance to the person. But where the importance lies is every day I have to get dressed or I have to take a shower. And do I want to be reminded of the terrible illness I had? Or do I want to be able to get undressed and go, hey, I'm, I'm healthy and I'm normal and everything's right. cool. And, and that's the gift he gave back that's to me. Right. Yes. Yes. And I think for women and men who are going through breast cancer and yes. are experiencing this for the first time, I think it's so important to listen to Dr. Shiaset or listen to Susan Douglas, who's been through this journey, that um, because the first thing you think of is, oh, gosh, I'm going to lose my breast. I'm going to have to have a mastectomy. My whole life is going to change. We as women identify you know, from a feminine standpoint with our breasts, it's quite, it can be extremely traumatic. And I think, like you said, though, she's different. She's strong. You're a warrior. You knew right away um, when you had the mastectomy, correct? Did you, did they recommend that right off the gate or was it something you opted in for? What so, questions did you ask? Yeah, so, and that was, so part of me going down this rabbit hole of getting silicone implants was part of my coping mechanism. Because when I was first diagnosed, I was told I could have a lumpectomy. They thought that I had two tumors. I was one of those individuals whose mammogram masked the tumors. 15% of women, their breast cancer will not show on a mammogram. So the mammogram is not wow. totally foolproof for women who have dense breasts. But they have a new machine out, well, right? It's a 3D machine for women who have dense breasts. I don't, that I, I Dr. Shiasek can probably speak to that more than me. I, for me, it was the MRI. I had an MRI done and that showed that I had five tumors, which meant oh. that the, the rules of engagement changed and I could no longer have a lumpectomy. I had to have a mastectomy. Right. My way of coping, because I, I lost a mom to cancer, so I had three very young children when I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. My youngest was only five years old when I was diagnosed, and, and it wasn't just about me, but it was about that family unit, right? Yeah. Sure. And so I had to figure out how I focused on the positive and how I moved forward to a point of being a survivor and being well. My way of doing that was to not do a lot of... Um, research on my own, which now you would laugh at because you know how much I research everything now, right? Uh, and I didn't. I was like, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I have the best surgeon and I'm going to make sure I have the best uh -huh. reconstructive surgeon because the best surgeon is going to send me to the best reconstructive surgeon. And I'm not going to scare myself by reading horrible statistics about anything. And I didn't. So when that surgeon who only specialized in implants mm -hmm. said, we're going to put silicone implants in, I specifically said, oh, are they using those again? He's like, yeah, they're perfectly safe. Safe. And I had them put in, not once, but twice. Twice. Mm -hmm. Only right. to find out after this whole process started, and I met Dr. Chaya said that the second set of implants they placed in me were manufactured in the South American facility right. that was shut down because it was producing contaminated implants that were pulled off the shelves in every country around the world except for the U.S., and they finally volunteered to take them off the shelf in the U.S., 
but I walked around with contaminated implants in me for four and a half years. If my car had a faulty part, I would have gotten a recall notice. I didn't get a recall right. on my breast implants. Right. What are your thoughts on that? That's a great point. So so many points I'd like to really uh, underscore what, what um, Susan said. <clears throat> Number one, um, a lot of women who diagnose breast cancer, they're terrified. Yeah. So they will rely on the doctors. They need to hold on to someone that they can trust. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> the breast surgeon, the way we've done traditionally in, in this area, is to refer to their buddy. Mm. Now, if they're a plastic surgeon, uh, all they do is putting breast implant, you're not getting any other option. Right. They may mention that, but you can say, oh, you're not a good candidate. Mm -hmm. But the person who say that not performing the surgery. So, and of course, Susan just had a bad news with breast cancer. She goes to see a plastic surgeon who's going to say, if you put a your expander and put an implant, she's going to go for it. It's not... And not, it's a no-brainer. And, and not, nothing yep. wrong with implant, I have to say that. Nothing wrong with implant option. Sure. But the option is Susan should know and decision should be on her hand. Right. What option, not the plastic surgeon hand, because that's all they can do. Okay. If mm -hmm. Susan should have learned that, okay, I have implant option, this is side effect, breast implant illness, lymphoma could happen, uh, capsular contraction, all kinds of those things. And then you have another option, orthogastric reconstruction with DFLAP longer surgery, bigger scar, and then she make intelligent decision making. She can and, and then she control right, the her, she, yeah, her right. she control her own destiny. Uh, faith, right. destiny. Mm -hmm. Right. And 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 that's not happened in mm. in many, many, many situations. Right. Now part of it because not many microsurgeons out there. It's not just a few of us in, in Metro Detroit. And um, because it's such a time consuming. And another thing is incentive. You have to say that. Because the, 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 the medical reimbursement for implant itself for Tuesday is not much different than you spend eight hours of your life doing reconstruction okay. for a person you don't know. Mm -hmm. So people probably can just put implant call for the day. Right, right. So, so they're not so given their it's options. It's road, and, right? And you have less travel. You have yeah. to remember, right? Every every person has a, a different education base and a different socioeconomic base, and a different ability to be able to understand all of this. And it wasn't until I started diving into the information and the statistics. If you go to the FDA website, it talks about all the symptoms of breast implant illness. Okay. In type real, this small, and it's buried way at the bottom. If you read forty-seven pages of information, so it's not up and front. Well, you yeah. tell me how many people who are going through a cancer yeah. diagnosis are going to actually do that? They're not. Right? They're, they're not. They're not at, at, at a certain. They point, are yeah. in survival mode. Exactly. They are terrified. They just bullet are worried about best. tomorrow. Right. Exactly. And I think there's two important for me. There's two important factors in a physician, right? All doctors graduate from medical school. That's how they get the letters behind their name. But some graduate at the top, and some graduate at the bottom sure. of their class. Yeah. We think Dr. Right. C's at the top. He's definitely He's at, at the top. top. Right. 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 I have to say, sure. yeah, I, I will have to say, you know, I think the message here for Kaiba Health and Life, and what a beautiful platform that we get to showcase such amazing leaders, such as Susan, leading the way, yeah. telling your narrative, telling your story, as awful as it is, guess what? It's empowering, and mm -hmm. if your if your story changes a hundred lives, even one if life, it changes one life. Thank you. It's yes. well worth it. Yeah. Then we have this man to my right, who is taking on cases that no one is touching, and he is changing and saving lives because 
while having that physical, you know, anomaly, they have anxiety and they have depression and they have psychological issues that come hand in hand, especially at a young age before their cognitives develop as children, just trying to live in a right. very aesthetic society. So what you are doing um, is truly magical and God's work and thank you and I'm so glad you two were able to connect yes. and I'm so glad that you are here with us because it's only the beginning we want to have you on we want you to continue to tell this narrative to our listeners to our viewers because if you're just being diagnosed with breast cancer or if your child is born with a cleft palate or an anomaly we want to make sure you have the knowledge the education the resources the option the choices that's right and know what questions to ask. What are my options? Listen, if this were easy, every single doctor would do it. It yeah. is not easy. Not. He is a specialist. He's an outlier physician. Absolutely. And I know from a personal standpoint, having a child whose mm. surgery was 20 plus hours at 24 hours old, mm. it's very meticulous. So my goodness, Dr. Concrete Chayasset, I didn't know I could speak such beautiful language. <laughs> <laughs> Royal Oak Beaumont, how can yep. people get a hold of you? Um, Google can, me. They can they Google, Google him. We will have all his information yes. on social media um, accompanied with this podcast. We'll get all his information out. Please contact him if you're going through this or you have a family member yeah, or a friend. Contact his office. He's absolutely amazing. Same with Susan Douglas. You are a plethora of knowledge and you are so willing to reach out and tell this story and help and provide, most importantly, provide resources. Yes. I've now had women from across the country contact me and I'm willing to share what I know yeah. because if, if if what I am sharing makes a difference for one other person, then I didn't go through all this for nothing. Right. And that's really what my mission is. And you know, Lisa, Metropolis, you two really connected in the same thing in telling your mom's story, right? Yeah. Because your mom had lupus. Absolutely. You become an advocate. And I think we had talked about that before. And that's one of my, you know, I, talk, I was talking about biggest takeaways. One of my biggest takeaways with you, Susan, is y your advocacy. This has turned you into a, a women's advocate for uh, for the best things. For yourself. Thank you. For yourself. Right. Thank know right. your body. Know, right. like... If the something doctor seems said, wrong, you, you need to do something yeah. about it. It's wrong. It's wrong. It trust, is wrong. Trust your own intuition. Yeah. Group hug. Thank Group you. Hug. Amazing, <laughs> amazing panel. Thank you beyond thank you. words. Lisa Metropolis. Thank you. Thank you. What a great day. Susan Douglas. Thank you, my friend. Dr. Concrete Chayasset. Royal Oak Beaumont. Please check him out. This has been an amazing show. Thank you to our viewers and our listeners. This has been Kaiba Health and Life.